Hi, Brian here. This is a special bonus episode with our friend and honorary uncle, John Lee. A few days ago, I saw that John was going to be offering a couple new seminars online, so I reached out to him and asked if he'd like to workshop his ideas with me beforehand and release it as a podcast. He agreed, and what you're going to hear now is a raw and unedited conversation between the two of us exploring the subjects of his two upcoming seminars. The first one is called The Odyssey of Aging, Transitioning from Hero to Elder, and we explore the question, how do men and women let go of outward-driven goals and the pursuits of youth and live the second half of life as elders, mentors, and guides? The second conversation is on creativity, addiction, and passivity, and it explores the differences between creativity and addiction and how addiction blocks creativity and stifles emotional maturation. As usual, I really enjoyed speaking with John, and I truly value him as a mentor and elder. So I hope you enjoy listening in on our conversation. And if you're hearing this before September 30th, 2023, and you're interested in checking out the live seminars, you can go to higherthoughtinstitute.com or just check the link in the description below. For you counselors and therapists, these seminars are approved for continuing education credits. And even if you're not in the helping professions, John's very practical and down-to-earth approach will make this information accessible and useful for anyone to get the benefit. Okay, that's all for now. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy. framed okay <laughs> well you're kind of low in the frame but that's kind of like how i'm used to seeing you is just kind of li- <laughs> chilled out in the chair you know <laughs> yeah, I can, I you're, can a, you're a half you're a half freudian you're like half lying down <laughs> <laughs> listen but that's just old age <laughs> which by god i am feeling i took a walk this morning my right hip barely got me home mm. yeah. There, there's, there you go about aging. See, that's why I'm so interested <laughs> in it. Well, good segue into our conversation about aging. Um, so, yeah, I reached out to you because I saw that you're doing a couple new seminars. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was intrigued by the topics. Um, I think the first one we'll talk about is your seminar, The Odyssey of Aging from Hero to Elder. Uh, so I spoke with Alan Chinnan. A little while back on the podcast you probably know him from oh, the old yeah. days yeah yeah from the old days he did a thing uh either with us in uh, mentone or minnesota uh very smart nice guy very mm. smart and i've read several of his books yeah yeah so we talked about um kind of uh, guiding our archetypes for men in middle age and beyond. And of course, in the 90s, he wrote a book called Beyond the Hero. Yeah. And so he was talking about the the trickster as an important archetype uh, as men go into older age. Um, so, I mean, me being 49 this year, something that, you know, is personally interesting to me, like, mm-hmm. what does it mean to be a middle-aged man? And, and in a, I think of it as like an elder in training. Mm. Mm-hmm. So uh, I wanted to talk to you about this and see what your thoughts were on it. Um, maybe what's a good way into it for you? Well, the, uh, kind of more personal than professional. You know, uh, I certainly lived out both 
personally and professionally the heroic role of for a long time i didn't i didn't really identify myself as a hero except in my family of origin i i was the hero of the family and and so i've known that for you know when i was in my 30s i knew that i was the hero of my family but then the work that i did up until uh, 60 i was still doing it in a heroic way looking back i didn't know it at the time but looking back i was still even doing my professional life as a hero you know people would say uh god john uh, how many uh, workshops and stuff did you do last year and i go 50 well that's that's a hero's answer you know mm -hmm. look at me look at look at how dedicated i am look at what i'm achieving you know look at how much i'm helping you know and again all this was totally pre-conscious but once i hit 60 uh, i had a heart attack uh, a triple bypass and that slowed me down uh, a lot but then it started making me look at okay i'm moving into the phase of life that would be described by many as elder um, now what i got started doing is saying what does that mean what what does that sound like what i don't know how to be an elder if i am one i don't know how to be an elder and and little by little that's when i started researching reading writing going trying to find out what what my responsibilities are what uh, do i bring to men and women at this stage of life and one thing it's not is 50 events a year you know mm -hmm. maybe one a month now that the virus is over but so then yeah. i got into it by saying what is an elder what's an elder's job um and that's what led us to this this odyssey of aging right yeah and it seems like it's often the case right that um a crisis kind of wakes us up to yeah. how we've been uh functioning in a non-appropriate or non-sustainable way right? non-sustainable that's a good good word right there yeah well let's talk about the hero a little bit first yeah. just to help people identify um you know i like the way hillman talked about the archetypes as uh modes of consciousness mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. when we're when we're kind of caught by an archetype it changes the way we perceive ourselves in the world and our role mm -hmm. in the world right mm -hmm. so if we're we're kind of caught by the hero archetype how's that going to affect us in the way our day-to-day -day? well i'm i'm going to read a, an actual definition from the dictionary of hero quote hero is a person who is admired or idealized for courage that just says it all and then the definition for elder quote the term refers to age and experience period the elders pass on their wisdom to the young so like one of the images that i played with is as a hero i was always climbing the ladder of success 
book sales, whatever. I was climbing, climbing, climbing. And 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 so the what I said was the role of the elder, as I'm beginning to understand, is I hold the ladder while young men and women are climbing it. And that's a very different role. I mean, you know, the heroes are sort of looking down on me to to be supportive, you know. Um, and maybe one of the, um, like the piece of the wisdom, the elder bringing some wisdom is helping the um, the youngster, the heroic youngster, make sure the ladder's up against the right wall. Oh man, that's well said, but good. <laughs> the right wall, not the wrong wall. Oh man, I hadn't thought about it that way, but that's right. That's right. Well, I mean, that was kind of my midlife wake up call was um, I was working in advertising and climbing the corporate ladder, um, you know, making more money, more prestige, uh, more recognition, all those things like the admiration and all mm -hmm. of that, you know, winning awards and mm -hmm. going to conferences and mm -hmm. uh, and then getting like totally burnt out, you know, getting that crisis moment that woke mm -hmm. me up to, OK, you're on the wrong track, pal. Uh, and then the way I thought about it was, uh, you know, I was climbing this ladder, but then when I started to get toward the top, I realized it was against the wrong wall the whole time. Yeah. And of course, yeah. like life put me back down on the ground and I got to like reorient and go, okay, wh what's the wall I want to be climbing here? Like, where do I want to put my effort? Uh, well, that's rebuilding. a great image. You know, again, my heart attack kind of yeah. said, okay, this was the right wall for a long time. But it's not sustainable, as you said, and and now I've got to do something different, and and that, quite frankly, scared me because I didn't know exactly what to do different. Mm -hmm. um, one of the, uh, Carl Jung says, uh, "quote the first in the first forty years of a man's life, he's just doing research," and he's right. I mean, I. We were researching life and love and, and possibilities for jobs and employment and children, just researching. And then after 40, it, that research needs to turn into something that we can share back uh, with the community, with our friends, you know. Um, but most men, Brian, are not entering elderhood gracefully if at all mm. if at all um you know robert Bly talked about this and he and i were at a conference in minnesota together in 96 and he was commenting on it then because he finished the book uh the sibling society um and you know, he was saying, which is what I've said now for quite a while, is where are the elders, you know, and 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 how it, it, this is sort of a judgmental thing that he said. But I, at 72, I'm sort of in the judgmental mode, too, people might think. But, you know, um, many, many men, 50 60, 70. You can't see them as an elder because they're still trying to be heroic. 
or they're trying to have kind of an extended adolescence, which we've all talked about before. And one of the ways he, you know, crazy Robert would just say anything. He didn't care who he pissed off. <laughs> you know, he said, you know, how can how can you identify an elder? <laughs> this is his words, who's wearing Hawaiian shirts and sandals, <laughs> you know, and short pants. Yeah. And and we all laughed, of course, because it's Robert. But, you know. Man, when I when I travel and go to airports or, you know, conferences, you know, there's just so many men and women who just really, really wear the stuff that says I'm not an elder. I'm not going to age. Yeah, you know? I, I see that with a lot of uh, adult men. It's like they're signaling, um, don't take me serious. Oh, that's a good way. Yeah, absolutely. Don't take me as an elder because that might require more of me than I'm prepared to give. Well, yeah, I think it's probably unconscious, right? But oh, I think absolutely. it is. A, yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, like the, the Homer Simpson t-shirts or whatever it is, right? <laughs> the kind of the goofy stuff. Um, yeah, pe people are going to hate what I'm about to say, but I'm going <laughs> to say it anyway. Robert taught me well. So... <clears throat> I got that's on. part of, look that before you let's just say like I from my perspective I think that's one of the functions of an elder is to tell it like they see it oh like because yeah. you're beyond that that hero stage yeah. of needing to be admired yeah, absolutely absolutely and like Good. you know like running out of time what you know nothing left to lose all of that uh -huh. stuff it's like uh -huh. why let her rip so that's, please that's, let, that's, let her rip John that's how I've constructed this webinar is like I'm just going to tell you, you know, I'm how sorry. I perceive things at 72. Uh, I was on the plane. I got bumped up to first class the other day. And a and a 65-year-old man gets on with cargo shorts in first class. Cargo shorts, a t-shirt without sleeves, and a pair of those... Um, what are they called? Grocks or clocks or <laughs> Crocs, yeah. Yeah. And I just wanted to tap them on the shoulder and, and say, Did your mama dress you before you got on the plane? You're dressing exactly like you did at 10 years old. Hmm. You know? Um, and people say, Well, John, so you're judging people by what they're wearing. And I'm going, No, I'm not even judging them. I'm just pointing out that the what Robert pointed out is what he said, the way he described it is, we used to be a vertical society. You, you were a son, you were a father, and you were a grandfather. And if you were lucky, as in my case, great-grandfathers. I had two great-grandfathers as a kid. Now, he points out, pointed out now it's a horizontal kind of uh, arrangement we don't know whether you're a son or a father or a grandfather mm -hmm. and and that that does some kind of damage to the culture as a whole when you can't pick out that person you know uh, Rilke had a wonderful has a wonderful poem uh, that sort of addresses this he says, uh, sometimes during supper, 
a man stands up and walks outdoors and keeps on walking because of a church that stands somewhere in the east. And his children say blessings on him as if he was dead. If that man doesn't find that church, he will force his children to go out and find that same church, which he forgot. Because a uh, totally bad quote. I know that poem backwards and forwards, and I just totally fucked it up, you know. <laughs> but the point being, in the poem, you can see the man who is entering elderhood, and now he's going on a spiritual journey, not a materialistic journey. Uh, maybe I'll do the poem better at the end. I hadn't quoted it in a long time. Didn't think I, I didn't have it written down to even quote. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I'll pull I'll pull out my copy of uh, Rag and Bone Shop of the Heart. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's in there. Sometimes a man stands up during supper, walks outdoors, and keeps on walking because of a church that stands in the east, while other men stay inside the dishes and the glasses, and forces his children to go far out into the world, which he forgot. Right. Go. That's it. Because, yeah, that whole piece about the, the man who doesn't go on that journey, right. the kids have to take up that uh, that job much too early. Yeah, much too early. Yeah. And then we get, you know, um, young people in their 20s and 30s who instead of going out and kind of building their life and doing the research that you talked about, they're doing the me search because uh -huh. uh, they, they had no inheritance from the elder. Right. Uh -huh. Right. Right. Me search. That's a very good term. Yeah. So, you know, part of this, uh, you know, is taken from Campbell's The Hero's Journey, you know, uh, the the stages of a man's life where, you know, you get the call, you refuse the call, you answer the call, but that's where it sort of stops in terms of... Uh, Campbell's hero's journey and I thought okay so what does come next it is a journey but it's a journey more inward than outward um and so I got a couple of yeah. little quotes here I want to read you um I can find them just thinking um it's kind of like the the hero's journey you go out into the unknown like you mm -hmm. leave the confines of of the known and the comfortable you go out into the unknown uh in the journey of the elder it's like you go into the unknown uh -huh. mm -hmm. it's yeah. an inward process that again you know if you don't have an elder in your life a mentor in your life to show you how to do that how the hell are you gonna know you yeah. know even though that's an option Right, right. As a That's sixty year, as a fifty year old, sixty year old, yeah, yeah. You know, I, that was something I was very blessed with. I, I had four older men in my life in my thirties, forties, fifties, sixties that showed me individually these different ways to enter elderhood. Of course, the primary one being Robert Bly. I mean, he he moved from hero to one of the greatest elders we'll ever know you know we'll never see his like 
probably again. Um, but by being around him, uh, you know, like this is sort of a digression, but when he when he was in his 70s, early 70s, he started thinking about how he was going to have a good death. And even though he didn't die till 93, uh, I saw him working on that and through that, which is a component part of being an elder. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, an elder, a true elder, knows his expiration date is coming. It may not come for 20 years like his did. But he showed me that in his behavior and in his poetry. And I thought, okay, I'm in my 70s. I, I'm going to start that too, which is all linked to this odyssey of aging. Yeah. Did he give you a sense of um, uh, what, how he conceived of what a good death might be? Mostly in his poetry. Um, he... Um, um, I don't have it right handy, but um, he turned me on to a book back then called How We Die um, and, and how different cultures, you know, participate in good deaths and death in general. But in his poetry, he had a he had a, a book come out called Morning Poems, mm -hmm. M-O-R-N-I-N-G, Morning Poems. And if you look in that book, you'll see uh poetry uh, that demonstrate that for instance um he has a poem called things to think and the last four lines if i don't mess this up the last four lines is think that somebody's about to give you something large tell you that you've been forgiven or that you don't have to work all the time or if you lie down, no one will die. No one will die. I remember that one. Yeah. yeah. See that. that that's, was, I mean, that last line for me—that if you lie down, no one's going to die. I mean, I remember the first time I heard him recite that; it hit me in the gut because I, I still had chill bumps just now. Oh man, quoting it. But that was him. That was him. Up, Go ahead, yeah. Sorry. Well, just let me tell you, like personally, growing up. Uh, that was the thing I was never allowed to do was uh, not work because uh, it was only through work that I was uh, um, that I was valued really. Uh, and so the hardest thing for me to do as an adult man sometimes is to lay down on the bed and, and read a book and just relax just for pure enjoyment. Exactly. It's still one of the hardest things for me to do. It's like my body gets fidgety. Mm -hmm. It's like, what are you doing? You're not working. It's the, the sun's up. You should be working. Get you know? up, boy. Yeah. Daylight's burning. I heard oh. my dad say that to me when I was 12 years old. And, and one thing he taught me how to do was become a workaholic. So yep. when I read that poem, heard him recite that poem, those last few words what, just went into me so deeply that I decided to memorize it. It's like, yeah, that to me, like it goes in... Um, it's like it, it goes into the wound and mm -hmm. it's it's like in um iron john when the wound uh he dips it in the pond and it it gets uh covered in gold like oh. the wound gets blessed like the wound is the opening where the blessing can 
go in, like the, especially the blessing from the elder. And I think that's kind of like, like Bly was like eldering mm -hmm. in that poem in a way. And he was mm -hmm. like sending out those blessings to whoever's got the wound to receive them. Mm -hmm. You know, well, and I sure felt it. I did too. We were coming back from a conference about that time that book came out. And he would have been, I'm going to say, he would have been 80 when that book came out or 85, somewhere in there. And he looked at me and, and said, uh, now tell me the truth. He said, do you think I've done enough? Oh. Should I do more? And I said, you want the truth? I said, if you lie down, nobody will die. Oh, man. You know, you've done, you've done enough. You've done more than enough. But see, he started working, too, on the farm, uh, 10, 11, 12 years old, and, and worked his ass off as a young man. And, you know, and for him to say, and if you lie down, no one will die. That's that's his uh, announcing that he's getting to a place uh, of of being able to feel like finally done enough, you know. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to I got a little thing here that I'm in, I want to share with you. Uh, I created sort of a a list. I drew a line down the middle of the page, and on one side I put heroes, and on the other side I put elders. And so I'm just going to go through a few of those, and if it, maybe it'll make this uh, talk a little more concrete when somebody uh, hears it. So number one, heroes acquire, elders let go. Heroes are mostly outward driven and seeking validation and appreciation from the world. Elders let go of demands for results from the world and looks inward for answers. A hero is looking for ladders to climb and dragons to slay. For the elder, ladders are no longer appropriate, and most of all, the dragons are gone. And a couple more. Hero is interested in productivity. Elders are interested in generativity. Hmm. Heroes are interested in ambition. Elders are interested in acceptance and all that that word means. Uh, they, the elder no longer holds on to youth and the past and tries not to arrest the flow of the river. Whereas heroes are always pushing the river, pushing the river, pushing the river. And elders say there's no, no need to push anymore. And that's where I am. I just don't, I mean, I may not be elder material yet, but, but I know how I came up with this list was I was falling on the right side of elderhood. But looking at the list of heroes, I can say I did all those things to my detriment, to my mm. detriment, eventually. Like, yeah, like past the expiration date. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. And hence the, the, the uh, heart attack, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so 
that's kind of a uh, one of the big things that I'm going to do in the webinar, and I'll just say it now: the the Odyssey and and Odysseus had part of that epic poem is a is a section where it's very very clear that Odysseus still wants to be a hero after all he's done he's come home and Tiresias the blind man says you're not done and so Odysseus thinks oh my god I get to go on another heroic journey and and, and fight the Cyclops and everything and Odysseus says no that's not the journey and the, the quick and dirty version I'll give you is, he says, I want you to take a, a, an oar, a fine wooden oar, and walk so far into the world, and you will be meet people who do not know what that oar is, because they've never seen the sea. And you're to plant that oar in the ground. And Odysseus is kind of saying, that's it. <laughs> that's, that's what I got to do. No ship. No, you're walking. You're walking. But you're going to take an oar. But when you get to that place, I say, what, what, why do you have that winnowing fan <laughs> mm -hmm. on your arm? Which a lot of people, you know, my age and maybe older and younger doesn't know what a winnowing fan is but it's what you use to separate the wheat from the chaff, you know? And, uh, and that, that just blew me away that, you know, okay, this is time to plant what we formally used to engage in battles and, and achievements. Conquest. Yeah. Conquest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, in the soil. Mm -hmm. how does that feel for maybe a, a pause to talk or move to the next part of the webinar? Yeah. Well, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I've, it's been a while since I uh, visited that story of Odysseus. And that, that scene, um, that imperative, taking the oar, walking until you meet people who don't recognize what it is. I mean, how does that relate to being an elder for you? Like what what's the kind of equivalent of that in this in this modern age? Well, part of it on, on a on a personal level is, you know, you have to I have to give up and I have given up the desire for a New York Times bestseller. Uh, I write now like I wrote at the beginning for myself. And if anybody reads it, fine, if not. But but the image of changing from a sea journey to walking slowly uh, and going to visit people and places that doesn't know who you are, that doesn't care who you are, and and so there's kind of a level in Odysseus that has to humble himself, you know, to say, but wait, can't I, 
can't I still sail in my ship? So when people see me coming, they'll know it's me. Right. And and, and when he gets there, the, the stranger that he meets says, who are you? And right. uh, there's a line in uh, uh, William Stafford's poem. Uh, line says, so who are you really, wanderer? And the answer you have to give is maybe I'm a king. But, but, but so he's a wanderer. And because of that journey, he gets eventually to go back home where he can inhabit fully his the archetype of the king. Because as long as you're a hero, you're pretty much still a prince at best, mm. you know. But once you come out of that, and one of the things that was one of the most impressive things that I saw for the 20 years that Robert and I taught, I, I watched him enter fully his kingship and how his interaction with men and women all changed accordingly, how he treated them. I remember back in the uh, early, uh, late 80s, early 90s, uh, somebody would say in the audience, they'd stand up and say, Robert, I'd just like to say, I wish you had been my father. And and he, he or Hillman would say, mostly him, throw that man out the window. <laughs> Bizarre. And then as he entered into the king and lover, really, the king and lover archetype, somebody would say that same thing, and he would invite them on the stage. Mm. and sit beside them and put his arm around them or hold his hold a guy's hand you know and it was like seeing that that shift mm -hmm. was just remarkable to me and again tried to show me you know how to do this better in my 70s and perhaps 80s yes yeah like I hear in that he, him recognizing that man's need for a blessing from an mm -hmm. elder mm -hmm. and he was, you know, got to a place where he could actually give that rather than right. kind of shame the man or That's make right. fun of him. And, That's and right. yeah. Yeah. The first time he like and I, he's like deflecting the transference, right? Like throw that guy out the window. I'm not yeah. going to be anybody's father. You know, I'm That's still right. dealing with my own father issues probably. <laughs> right. He was. <laughs> So the first time that we stayed together was at a conference in Big Bear, California. Uh, this was in 1990. And uh, uh, Warren Farrell held a, a men's leadership conference. But long story short, um, we were he and I were walking one day. And uh, he said to me, he said, John, can you tell me what I'm doing wrong with men? And I said, you really want me to tell you? He said, yeah, I wouldn't have asked if I didn't. And I said, okay. I said, you and James and Michael tend to shame the shit out of men at these conferences. And it doesn't work, you know, especially the men who's coming from the recovery side to these, taking a risk and coming to these you know they're adverse to shame because it's what they held had to do receive all their lives and he took that in 
and and said really and i go yep that's that's my, that's my first critique and and then uh, of course i said now tell me what i'm doing wrong <laughs> he proceeded to elaborate <laughs> three days later <laughs> so anyway what is that relationship i mean i i, I sense a relationship uh between shame and the blessing of the elder because shame is like almost like the absence of the blessing mm-hmm. right like we mm-hmm. could look at it as a kind of void of mm-hmm. uh do you, do you see that relationship too? oh absolutely yeah 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 i mean you know i mean robert you know worked on his own shame issues right up till he entered dementia you know um and certainly i had to do that but the blessing of the elder doesn't make all the shame go away, but it sure helps, you know. And and you know that's that's part of the job of an elder, you know. Right now, uh, Brian, I have about five or six guys that are fifty and under, you know, that are all like you in the field coaching doing men's stuff and and you know they're they're working with me in part i guess because they're afraid i'm gonna die soon and Mm -hmm. and i'm like the last of the at least the semi-mythopoetic group robert moore bly you know all that um so that's a great honor that i feel i need to live up to because it was passed on down to me. 